First of all, I'd like to thank uh, Danny for inviting me to be here today. It's always fun to be here, and I'm grateful to uh, to share this partnership, Danny, with you. So, thanks for the invite. Did Heather go downstairs? Yeah, well, you can tell Heather. I brought mine, too. Duct tape will do a lot of good stuff, won't it? Uh, there was an African evangelist who was traveling through the villages and passing out Bibles. And in one village, he was passing out uh, Bibles when a young man came up to him and he offered him a Bible and the young man said, well, uh, I need paper from, to roll my cigarettes, so I'll be glad to, to take the Bible and uh, if you'll give it to me. And the evangelist thought about it for a second uh, and said, I'll make a deal with you. I will give you this Bible if you will read every page before you smoke it. And so he gave him the Bible. And years later, he was at a uh, uh, celebration in the, in the region, and they were having a worship service. And after the worship service, a young man walked up to the evangelist and asked him, do you remember me? And the evangelist looked at him and said, I think so, but who are you? He said, I'm the young man you gave the Bible to who said I was going to use it to uh, roll my cigarettes. He said, well, I smoked my way through Matthew. <laughs> and then burned my way through Mark. And I lit up Luke. But when I got to John, it changed my life. I'm here to tell you that now I don't smoke them anymore and I serve the Lord Jesus Christ and I honor his word. The book of John, if I could tell you how many people in my life have come up to me and said, but when I got to John, it got me. So, uh, Danny and I were talking. Danny is going to be doing a series in John and I we got together and I said, well, do you mind if I kind of kick off the series for you? Good, bad, or whatever. And uh, he said no. So today we're going to be talking about the Gospel of John, but we're going to be specifically looking at the first 18 verses. Would you do me a favor? Grab a Bible. If you're in a pew, just reach down and grab the Bible in the pew. If, you're, if you like to look at the phone, you know, and do the phone Bible thing, do that too. That's fine. But if you, I'd like for you to read along with me. There you are, Heather. I just wanted you to see I brought mine too. Yeah, the back comes out, but it's still good. We're in the Gospel of John, chapter 1, starting at verse 1. And maybe if you don't know your way around the Bible, that's the fourth gospel in the New Testament. If, uh, if you're in like... Mark or Luke, you're not there, and if you're into Paul's letters, you've gone too far. So, listen to the word of the Lord. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. 
He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God. His name was John. He came for testimony, to bear witness to the light, that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness to the light. The true light that enlightens every man was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world knew him not. He came to his own home, and his own people received him not. But to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave the power to become children of God, who were not born of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, full of grace and truth. We have beheld his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father. John bore witness to him and cried, This is the one of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, for he was before me. And from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only Son, who is in the bosom of the Father, but he has made him known. May God add his blessing to this his holy word. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this opportunity this morning, and we pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit and your word that none of us would leave here the same, whether you're listening uh, on the internet or whether you're here, we pray for the same thing, that you, by the power of your word and your Holy Spirit, would transform us this morning, Lord, that you would change us, that you would bring the light that lightens all people into our hearts enlighten us today. Illuminate us by your Holy Spirit, we ask in Jesus' name. And all God's people said. John's gospel can be summed up in the contrast of two stone images, okay? The stone manger in Bethlehem and the stone tomb near the cross where Jesus was crucified. In a few moments, you're going to see how the Holy Spirit, speaking through the gospel writer John, weaves a new creation story. There's no doubt that John is drawing us back to Genesis. The parallels are just too compelling here to miss. And if you would, actually look back with me in Genesis. Turn your Bibles back to the very beginning of the Bible. Genesis 1. Let's take a look at it really quickly. Genesis 1, verses 1 and 2. Listen to the word of the Lord. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, the earth was formless. Now, that word in the, in the Hebrew literally means in chaos, okay? So, the earth was in chaos and empty. Darkness was hovering over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. In John's gospel, we see a continuation of the story that begins at the exact perfect place, right? In the what? Yes. And as we read through John's gospel in the next few weeks with Danny, you're going to see a spiritual principle at work 
that has permeated creation from the very beginning. It's a spiritual principle. It works without fail. When the Holy Spirit collides with chaos and darkness, new creation happens that God create, that God declares good, very good. Did you hear that? When the Holy Spirit collides with chaos and darkness, new creation happens. It's inevitable. And God will always say it's good, very good. Now, the Holy Spirit through John declares to us that God's sole purpose in all of this is our redemption through the atoning sacrifice of his son, Jesus. John declares this in chapter 20, verse 31. If you want to look at it, jump back to the end of John, the gospel real quick. Chapter 20, verse 31, John gives us the sole purpose why he is writing these things down. Look at it with me. But these things are written so that you may, what? Believe. That Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have, what? Life. In his name. That's what it's all about, folks. It's about belief and life. We see clearly that God overcame the darkness in creation, that we then plunged back into darkness with our sin, steeping all humanity and God's creation back into the void and chaos of darkness. And if you don't believe that's where we are, just stop. Take one second. Look around you at the depravity of our culture today and the brokenness that's in our world. All over it, we are steeped in the chaos and darkness once again. The Gospel of John is about a world that is not worth redeeming, folks. But in his great love and mercy, God has chosen to redeem us anyway. John calls this grace upon grace. And that's really what it is. It's not a coincidence that the earth went through an eclipse, a total darkness at the crucifixion of Jesus because it was simply a divine picture that was painted on the canvas of the world that displayed a total eclipse of the human heart. And that's kind of where we are. We're at a total eclipse of the human heart. So it doesn't matter where you are today, okay, in your spiritual journey, whether you're a devoted Christ follower, whether you're a spiritual seeker, not sure about this Jesus thing, and if you're listening to me, it's you too, or, or if you're a complete naysayer who detests anything you can't taste, touch, smell, hear, or see. It doesn't matter who you are. Today's message and this series that Danny is going to be going through in the next few weeks, this is for you. It's for me. It's for all of us. Now, if you would, turn back with me in your Bibles. Let's look at it again together. Let's reason together as we walk through the Gospel of John. Starting at chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. 
Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life. And that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness. And the darkness has not overcome it. Now, the word gospel literally means proclamation. So in effect, the four gospels that we have in our New Testament of the Bible are separate proclamations of the same reality that God has made good on his promise to restore people back into a right relationship with him. If you remember, when the Bible uses the word righteousness, it means to be right with God, be in a right relationship. That's what righteousness means, right relationship with God. In, in fact, in many ways, the Bible in its entirety, is an account of the relationship between God and people from the beginning. Now, as we go to God's Word, we plainly see that God desires for, from us. What He truly wants from us is not so much that we make sure that we do all the do's and we don't do all the don'ts. Did you hear that? That's not really what this is about. It's not about us doing all the do's, right, and not doing all all the don'ts. Rather, God's word reveals that what he really wants is a relationship with each of us, with you and with me. God is all about relationship. And if you've been living your life trying so hard to do all the do's and not to do all the don'ts, you have completely missed the point. Or if you've lived outside of the faith, you are listening today or you're here today and you're not a member of the Christian faith, you've lived outside of it because you see it as this set of rules that you just don't want, you are sadly mistaken because that is not what it's about. There is no place in all of Scripture that that's made more clear than in the prologue to John's Gospel found in verse 18, as we read this morning, 1 through 18. John, the disciple whom Jesus loved, begins his own proclamation by taking us back to what? The yes. By using the phrase, in the beginning, the very first words of Genesis, given by the very first prophet, by the way, Moses, John purposely moves us back to the creation of the world. Yet for John, the creation of the world is not a starting point that moves forward, but rather he uses it as a starting point that moves backward. Did you hear that? Most of the time, when you have a starting point, you take it and move forward, right? John decides to take it instead and move backwards. In the Greek, the word we translate word, the word, is the logos, Okay, John purposely uses this Greek word because both in Greek and in Gentile Greek and Jewish culture, it was equated with their philosophical concepts of God, period. So by using that word, the logos word, he knew that there would be no mistake that he was referring to the very substance or nature of divinity. What John is saying here is that the creation of the world is not really the beginning because there was a time before the beginning. John uses this starting point to leap from our world to eternity because for John, this is the real world. God's world. 
we know from the way these verses unfold, culminating in verse 17 and 18, that the Logos is none other than Jesus. Folks, you may think this is theological rhetoric, but it's not. It is so important that John established this from the very beginning. You see, one of the biggest mistakes we can make is to think that Jesus is a created being or something less than God. So from the onset, John makes one thing perfectly clear. Jesus is God. Now let's go back and just reread those verses And instead of using the logos, the word, let's put in the name that John equates with the logos, Jesus. In fact, help me here. Every time you see the word, word, put Jesus in there for me as we read it together, okay? Because I want you to hear the way John intentions this. In the beginning was the, and the, was with God, and was God. Jesus was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Jesus, and without Jesus was nothing made that was made. In Jesus was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So before there was a world or people or anything that was created, there was what? Yes. And that is the beginning of John's proclamation. The spiritual truth here that's so hard for some people to grasp and believe is that when we have encountered Jesus Christ, we have met God himself. To be in relationship with Jesus is to be in a right relationship with the God of the universe, the divine logos. Now, just to make sure we get this point, John moves on and declares that through Jesus, all things were, came into existence. And this is so important to John that he emphatically, look at it, he emphatically repeats it. Without him, Jesus, nothing was made that was made, period. There is nothing in existence that Jesus didn't make. John then makes the most incredible declaration of all. In Jesus, there's life. And that life is the light of all people. Verse 4 is the key to John's gospel. Now, I would encourage you this next week to read through all of John's gospel as you prepare for Danny's series, okay? So I would ask you to do that because Danny's going to lead us through John over the next few weeks. But in it, you're going to find that the gospel of John is all about life. He uses the word over 50 times in some fashion or another. John makes it very clear that Jesus Christ is the source, period, of all life. At this point, John introduces another image that's central to his proclamation, light. Do you notice that? He claims that Jesus is the light in this world that's dark. And it's critical that we understand what he's saying here. John is saying that until Jesus came, the world was lost in the chaos and darkness, both at creation 
and at his incarnation in that stable in Bethlehem. Both times, the world was lost in the chaos and the darkness of the world, the universe. Now, in the Greek here, the word darkness isn't a passive word, folks. It's not something that's just there. Darkness is something that's encompassing and active. There's a force to it that penetrates and looms over everything that's within its grasp. It's the type of activity, if you think about it. Actually, the, the translation that we read in some of our translations says, and, uh, and the, the darkness did not understand it. The translation that you have here, I think properly says the darkness did not overcome it. <clears throat> because that Greek word to overcome illustrates the action of the darkness. It literally means to pounce upon something and hold it in its grasp. That's what that Greek word means. To pounce upon something and hold it in its grasp. That sort of sounds like what? Of all the creatures in the world. A lion, right? It's the type of thing a lion would do. Wait in hiding. And when something comes along, to spring out of nowhere, pounce upon it, and grasp it in a stranglehold until its life is gone. That's John's picture, folks, of the world lost in darkness. He wants us to get this this morning, that until Jesus came, our world and the whole universe was in a stranglehold of the dark forces that wanted nothing but complete domination and destruction of everything in it. You, me, everything. The plain reality is that we couldn't escape the incredible power of the darkness on our own, no matter how much we struggled. We couldn't do it. The darkness was too powerful. If God's love for us was not the heart of his nature, eventually the darkness would have overcome all of creation and all would be lost. What John tells us emphatically is that this same Jesus who breathed life into the first Adam, when the time was right, he became one of us, you and me, and he took our battle with the darkness upon himself on our behalf. That's what he did. In the incarnation, when he became us, when he took on flesh and dwelt among us, he took our battle with the darkness. Let's read on. There came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. Now, this is not John the writer. This is John the Baptist. He came as a witness to testify concerning the light so that through him all men might believe. There it is again, belief. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to every person was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world didn't recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own didn't receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children not born of natural descent, nor of a human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. 
The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Now, along with life and light, we find another of the central themes of John's proclamation, belief. John tells us that John the Baptist's job was to make the announcement to the world that God was making good on all of those promises we talk about and sing about at Christmas time. In the stone manger of Bethlehem, God became one of us, entered into a world of darkness on our behalf to rescue us. Now, if you're one of those people who don't think you're in need of rescue this morning, that you can do it on your own, I would just challenge you to go for 24 hours without sinning, okay? Now, when I was an unbeliever, and I know that's hard for you to imagine, but actually I was an unbeliever for a long time, at least as a 16, 17, 16 years growing up. When I was an unbeliever, I convinced myself that I was a good person. I didn't need anything, let alone Jesus, who I'd never actually heard of. And I convinced myself that I was in control. And I could go a whole week without sinning when I was challenged by somebody one time. That I didn't need Jesus. I didn't need anything. I could go a whole week without sinning. I didn't even make it a day. So if you're an unbeliever today and you think you can do better, have at it. I challenge you here and now to do that. Do what I did. Try to go a whole week without sinning. And if you don't think the darkness has you in its grip, just try it. Try to live a righteous life and do everything you do with a pure heart and a totally unselfish motive. Folks, I'm going to tell you something. You can't do it, but try it if you want to. John declares to us that it's only because God was willing to become one of us that we could be like him. Our only hope of a pure heart and a righteous life comes when we're willing to believe and receive the life and the light, Jesus. Okay, let's read on. We're getting to the end here. Follow along with me. John testifies concerning him. He cries out saying, this is he of whom I said, he who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. From the fullness of his grace, we have all received one blessing after another. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but God, the one and only, who is at the Father's side, has made him known. As John draws to the end of his prologue, he makes two things clear. The law, or the rules, the do's and the don'ts, are not the beginning with God. God is not as concerned with our doing the right things as he is with us being in a right relationship with him. Did you hear that? He's not as much concerned with you or me doing the right things, all the right things, and not doing all the wrong things, as he is concerned with us being in relationship with him, connected to him. When we give our lives to Christ, we enter into the light, and in that light, we see the world. We see ourselves. We see everything as it really is, God including. But especially, we see ourselves as we really are in need of a Savior, steeped in the darkness, 
lost. There's no need to look for a second step. There's no need to proceed any further. Now, I don't know where this hits you this morning, which is usually your sign to just close your Bible. But if you're someone who has always heard about Jesus but never really opened your heart to him, today would be the right time to do that. Or if you're a skeptic like I was, I again, take my challenge. I dare you to see if you can go a week without sinning. Not going to happen. You'll see that you are in the darkness just as much as the rest of us. Perhaps you've always had a head knowledge because you were raised in church. But it's never really moved from your head to your heart because you never really received it by faith. Today would be a great time to do that. And I can guarantee you, that guy right there, he's going to pound at you every week until you do. I'd like to leave you with this image. If you are without Christ this morning, you're in a world that's being eclipsed in darkness. Your heart is in the middle of a total eclipse. There's this incredibly evil darkness that's rapidly overtaking this world, folks. And from all the signs that God gives us in his word, at this time in our history, I really believe it's becoming close to a nearly total eclipse. We're, we're almost there. And as we continue our walk together through the Gospel of John with Danny, you're going to see that the powers of the darkness are set on a collision course with the light. The beauty of that is that spiritual principle is always going to be in play. When the Holy Spirit collides, folks, with chaos and darkness, it's always going to be a product of new creation, a new person, a new heart. Will happen every time. Can't not happen. Our only hope is to find life in the gift of God's own Son, Jesus, our true light. So I would ask you this week, as you ponder these things, and as you take up the challenge, perhaps to go for a week without sinning, good luck, or to read through the Gospel of John, like the young African did, who smoked his way through Matthew, Mark, and Luke. You'll find but when you get to John, you'll have to stop. It'll stop you dead in your tracks. Think about it. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the privilege of being your family. We thank you for those who are listening who are still seeking a family. Pray, Lord, that you would help them find it in you. And then maybe with us, Lord, if they're seeking a church family, this is a great place to be. I wouldn't be any other place. Although... I say that to a lot of other churches too, So, but they're good churches too. But this is a fun place. This is a great place to be family. Lord, pray that if you're that person that is totally against Jesus, like he's your enemy, that you would reconsider that. He's not your enemy. He's your Savior. And you need him just like we do. So, Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your spirit. 
We pray for transformation in that precious name, Jesus. And all God's people said, Amen.